0: Plot twists, we are obsessed with them. In film, life, and love, they turn up everywhere. It's that moment in a story that takes you in an unexpected direction. I'm Tom, super fan of cinema, sport, comedy, and I'm partial to the old impression. And throughout this series, brought to you by Now and Sky, I'll be interviewing TV and film stars, asking them all about the plot twist moments that define their lives and careers. So expect the unexpected and hopefully some behind-the-scenes gems you've never heard before. Expect spoilers. So, if you had to pick one classic, nostalgic TV series from your childhood, what would it be? I think for me, Only Fools and Horses. Got to be, right? I know a lot of you would say that. Last week when I was with Jack Rowan, a star from A Town Called Malice, his comfy pair of slippers was... Always oh, Sunny in Philadelphia. And I was thinking, yeah, that's pretty strong, pretty good. And many of you would say Friends, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, maybe Arrested Development, but I bet another one would be Scrubs. And our guest this week is one of the co-stars from the iconic series, Zach Braff, who, of course, played JD. I was buzzing to chat to him. The man does everything. He's an actor, he's a filmmaker, he's a writer, he's a podcaster. Even the Greece-inspired advert in the Super Bowl with Travolta, as you do. But actually, whilst we know... J.D. from Scrubs, The Goofy Doctor. Behind the scenes, he's this very established, well-thought-of filmmaker. Did a film in 2004 called Garden State with Natalie Portman and Jim Parsons that did really well. And now he's back with a new film. A Good Person is Zach's latest project, and the film is inspired by a period in his life of growth and reflection And also just wanting to work with his former partner, Florence Pugh. He's spoken so graciously and admirably about her talent. And trust me, you'll see that in the film. And the plot itself sees Florence play Alison, this young, successful woman who just has the world at her feet. But tragedy strikes as she's approaching her wedding day. She's involved in a car crash. And while she survives, others don't. And it is this story of tragedy, of grief, but then recovery, and as part of that process, she forms an unlikely connection with a character called Daniel, played by none other than Morgan Freeman. It is a beautiful film. It's it's tender, it's raw, and perhaps typical of Zach Braff, you have exquisite writing and really wonderful moments of humour. There's a, a balance in that sense. I'd highly recommend it. So as I said, I was buzzing to meet Zach and we managed to get a meeting with him as he was doing his press tour in the UK. I'm not gonna lie, it was a pretty fancy hotel and there's a lot of cameras and lights there. So uh, the, the pressure was there. And we, you can hear us talking about that. But um, I had some nuggets, I had some information I thought might get him on board. So check that out. Here it is, Zach Braff on Plot Twist. It's
1: quite setup, right? This is quite set up. Is Tom? Dude, I, was, I am shocked myself. Yeah. We are a low budget film. Money was spent. <laughs> <laughs> Look at, Look at all these sea stands. It's the bigger crew than the okay, yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> a good line. I'm going to steal
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> Not kidding. <laughs> Zach, welcome to Plot Twist. Thank Delighted you. Delighted to have you on. Uh, congratulations on the film. Absolutely smashed it. Thank you. And I wondered you know, doing this project, it's a brilliant film, all these different projects that you've done as a director, as an actor, as a writer, a podcaster. Mm-hmm. What would Mr. Mullen say? Oh, my God, you're going to make me, my eyes well.
1: Uh, Mr. Mullen was my high school TV teacher. I found my people at the, at the high school TV station. I, I wasn't into sports at all, and all of a sudden I found this community that were the kids that worked at the high school TV station. And we made short films and stuff, but we also did live, um, you know, the, the cable network in our town had a channel 35, which was what the high school put out. So we would do live shows. And so I got the experience of doing, um, live TV. I got the experience of making short films. I loved it. That's kind of one of the first places I really was so clear that, that I wanted to do this for a living. Um, I think he'd be very, very proud, um, particularly because in this film, I shot in and around my high school. And in fact, there's a scene with Morgan Freeman in my principal's office.
0: Is it Columbia High? Yeah, Columbia High
1: School. So, um, you know, I had the just wonderfully surreal experience of bringing Morgan Freeman to my high school. (laughs) And uh, I was a goody two-shoes, so I was never in the principal's office, but I I got to shoot a scene in there with, uh, with Morgan, which was pretty cool. That's kind of like Full Circle, right? I mean, It's very, very. I mean, I, I would never have imagined that, that uh, I'd be shooting a film in my high school with uh, just a legend like Morgan.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. And the sneaker thief is that is that was one of the first projects. Oh you did? Well, how deep did you go? How did oh, you... I, I, find my nuggets. You wow! Know? Yeah, I you're not just a, you're not just a Wikipedia
1: kind no, of guy. No, no. Oh, hey. Yeah, I made a short. God, I, I've never been asked that in my life. Um, I made a, a funny short film uh, with my friends about how someone was uh, was stealing people's uh, cool sneakers. <laughs> you know what? My podcast TV, I'm going to put that on. I've never been asked that in my life. That's, that's <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, no one's ever referenced that. That's cool. Um, I'd love to see it. I, I wish I could But yeah. Maybe someone at the high school has it. I don't know. Would that be like the first project that you did? Um. Yeah, that was probably... There was also, believe it or not, the school, this is probably long gone, actually had a film program as well where you could shoot... Shoot and edit Super 8 film. That was really, really cool too. It was a separate department. I mean, they had both a TV program and a film program. It was so cool. And it was a public school. But yes, th- that probably wouldn't like my first my first video edited video. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. I will come back. to some It was the era of like
1: those Spike Lee. Um, Michael Jordan um, commercials, yeah. if you remember. Yeah, yeah. So 90s, I think I was just
0: probably like inspired by Spike and trying to copy yeah. Spike. Yeah. I mean, Ed Jordan, everyone's inspired, right? <laughs> I love it. Um, I'm going to ask you a plot twist question. I'm going to go to that, and then we'll come back to earlier parts of your mm-hmm. career and obviously talk about the film. But the podcast is centred on plot twists, and in film and TV, you get these plot twist moments that can change the narrative, change a story, um, and the journey of a character potentially in that film. What about for you personally there was a plot twist moment in your life that changed your narrative your trajectory what might that be
1: well when i was you know i auditioned as a lot as a, as a child actor and i got a few things but but um nothing too much and then uh i got in that's so why i applied to film school and i got into uh, northwestern university which had a really good film program and i was couldn't really believe i got in and i was headed there and I went on audition for uh, Woody Allen's film Manhattan Murder Mystery, and I got the part, and I was cast as as his and Diane Keaton's son. And wow. I'm only in one scene, but it was my first ever film. My first ever scene partners were Woody Allen, Diane Keaton, and Angelica Houston. Um, That's intense. And so <laughs> that was a big plot twist in my life because. To have a, to get a break like that, there was sort of talk amongst my, my parents and and my representatives. Wow, this is huge. Do you do you not go to Northwestern? Do you stay here in New York and and ride this wave and and kind of see what happens with your acting career? Because th- this is pretty um, momentous thing to get. But then I decided that what I really wanted to do was make films, and I wanted to learn how to make films, and I wanted to learn production and be on sets and. And also have a, a liberal arts, you know, college experience. So I didn't do that. I I did, I did the film and then walked away from any momentum that, that I would have had, and, and went and studied for four years. Uh, and I'm so glad I did because I,
0: I it's, that's where I, I really learned to, to make films. Tell me about uh, is it Stage Door Manor? I I, yeah. I don't know too much about it, but actually looking at the people that have been there, yeah. This, is it a theater school. Is that? Yeah. Is if, that you're that a kid, if you're a young kid,
1: if you're a young kid, and you. Already know that acting is very important to you, yeah. you, you a traditional camp uh, sports you know traditionally in the states, I don't camps aren't really huge here, I don't think right? <laughs> no, no, but not um, so much. in the states, a lot of kids go, go away to sleepaway camp at a certain age, and often they're very sports focused um, and for kids that aren't into that, they don't want to do that. So they they've come up with ones that are about the arts, right. and sort of the, the the preeminent one that's in upstate New York is called Stage Door Manor, and it's for children who really want to take it seriously. And you take classes all day long. You're, you do a show every three weeks, um, and really for kids that always felt like they didn't quite belong, it's it's utopia because all of a sudden you there you are up in the Catskill Mountains, and everyone is like you. Everyone is is a is a theater kid. Everyone wants to go sing and dance and act and um it's it was it was life-changing for me because i really saw oh my goodness i'm not that much of an outcast uh here here Mm -hmm. i really felt like I belong with my own kind i'm with my own kind yeah Yeah. and i and i and i was good you know i i i I had friends in school so i I was a bit of a class clown and and i i used that to to make friends but it, it wasn't until theater camp that i was like wow, I'm actually good at this and I'm
0: good at something. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And the names that went there I was like Robert Downey Jr., Natalie yeah. Portman, John Cryer. Yeah. Like, wow. Was and plenty of people that aren't household names but, but are,
1: just great uh, they work in the theater or they work yeah. in, in, in behind the scenes or they've had wonderful careers but they just aren't famous names you'd know. That's amazing. I had no idea so I wanted to ask you. It's really special and then and then what wow. happens is managers and agents come up there and they scout kids so they sometimes oh, okay. get re-
0: recruited from there. Wow. Nice. I wanted to uh, throw a few names at you, people that you've worked with in some capacity. I just want to get your reaction. Okay. Um, some people very much of the moment, other people just sound uh, standard. But I just thought, see where we go. Okay. okay. I'm excited. So Brandon Fraser. Love him. Couldn't be a sweeter human being. Probably the nicest person you'll ever meet in your life. I wonder is is, is that the case? Is he really that? He's he just seems so, so, so nice gentle like, and lovely. He's
1: so gentle and lovely, and um, and humble and quirky, and um, he actually really did something that changed my life in that I love cameras. I'm a big camera geek, and I'm into all sorts of camera toys, and he brought into my life, it, when he did Scrubs, he was shooting um, with a, a, a old Polaroid uh, LAN camera, the kind where you, uh, I think it was 4 by 6 was the format of the film, and you'd pull, you know, the kind you'd, you'd see the pros pull out, mm. and then they peel it off, not the instant kind that comes out for consumers. And um, he opened my world to this, these beautiful Polaroids, a, a different high-end professional Polaroids. So, and then I, I got obsessed, and I started putting Polaroid backs on the best cameras I could find. And, um, and it became a huge hobby of mine, and it all started with, with him. But he's a lovely man, and I'm, I'm so
0: happy that he's, he's having this resurgence. Well, by the time this episode comes out, he may have an Oscar. That's true. Very, yeah. That's true. Yeah, um, Harrison
1: Ford. Um, it's so surreal to direct Harrison Ford um, on, on on the new show, Shrinking. Um, he, I was very intimidated by him at first. <laughs> he is really, truly gruff. <laughs> um, but uh, he's one of you know. People always ask me because I've directed a couple of, of living legends. Uh, you know what's it like, and the truth is, is that every actor, actor, no matter who they are, they want to be directed. If you're too intimidated, and you're too wimpy, for lack of a better term, then then they then they don't then they don't respect you and they don't like it. They they want you to have the the chutzpah, the 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 balls, if you will, to um, to stand up and and actually direct them. Yeah, because they want a leader. Yeah. And so I, I I did that with Harrison. I wasn't I wasn't I I, I, I gave myself a pep talk in the mirror and was <laughs> yeah. and pretended he was just a, any actor and and then he instantly uh, liked me and we 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 bonded and and uh, but he is just as gruff as as he might seem.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and some of them are coming back. Like Morgan Freeman. You worked with him before. He's yeah, my back second time that. working with Morgan. Yeah. yeah.
1: So that's a good sign, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, I, he, he's um, he's just incredible and. And I think the second time I worked with him on, on on this film, a good person, is that I was able to... The first time, I was I was doing my best, but I was intimidated. This time, we really were friends, and I was able to push him further than I than I was. Obviously, this was a drama that was a, a heist movie, so it was more just playful and fun. This was a very tough role for him to play. And it was great that we had the previous experience. So I... So I could have the the courage to to push him um further than he
0: wanted to go necessarily. Mm. Yeah, he's astonishing. I've got gotta come back to that. I'll get one more name. Yeah, I think I think you've worked with him. Donald Faison. <laughs> he's my best <laughs> friend.
1: I'm um, godfather to his kids. Um no one makes me laugh harder. Uh, we just have the exact same sense of humor. And we never met um before the table read of Scrubs. I I I mean, I was a waiter and he was already a working actor. He'd been in Clueless and and um a handful of other things, including uh the Denzel football movie. And so we just instantly hit it off and became best friends and we just do everything
0: together. No, the podcast and I mean it just goes on right. It's just the podcast has
1: been so fun just because it, it gave us a reason to have an appointment every week. We 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 we,
0: we, <laughs> yeah. we, we, we know we're gonna have ninety minutes of, of cracking up together every week. Yeah, I love it. Um, let's talk about the film. I watched yeah. it, I was saying to you just before we start recording, watched it last night. Emotionally, I was all over the place, I was laughing, I had a few tears a couple of times. It's a beautiful film. I thought interesting place to start is where this originated from, where this, because I know Florence was a big inspiration, yeah. of wanting to work with her and create something based on her talent. Yeah. But actually the story and the themes itself, where did that sort of originate from?
1: Um, well I knew I wanted to write something for Florence, I, I we were partners. Uh, obviously, and I just am in awe of her talent. I think she's just phenomenal, and I I, I think she's. Uh, I'm just in awe of her, and um. And I had experienced a lot of tragedy at the time in my life. You know, I'd gone through a bunch of deaths of, of family members, and I wanted to. And and I was dealing with all that, and then COVID hit, and I wanted to write about. My my gut, what came out of me was wanting to write up a, a, about standing up after after tragedy, how how we as human beings uh, recover mm. uh, even from the worst things that ever happened to us, and uh, also we have a, a huge opioid epidemic in our country, so addiction was also something I wanted to fold in there. So that was kind of the jumping off point. I, I knew it would be for Florence and some older legend. That's kind of how I was picturing it. I, I love the idea of. A young, exciting ingenue with some established legend. I never imagined it would be someone like Morgan Freeman. (laughs) But if I were to say an archetype, it would be someone like Morgan Freeman. Yeah, of course. So that was really the jumping off point. And I wrote it over lockdown and then gave it to Florence. And I said, uh, you know, and she really liked it. And I said, there's a couple places where she sings because she's just a hobbyist singer-songwriter. And Florence, very good. Uh, Florence does write music. So I said, "Would you, in character, write what she would write?" And so she, that was really cool. She wrote the the two songs that she sings in the film, and um,
0: and that's how it all sort of started. I was aware of you you know, talking in other interviews about her talent and her capabilities, and then it's watching that first scene where she's on the piano, and then the interaction with well, what's, what she'd hope would be her family, I suppose, yeah. going forwards. You know, wow, she is. She's special. Yeah, she has that thing that
1: you can't quite describe. Yeah, Um, you know, someone can be beautiful and someone can be a uh, an amazing actress, Mm. but then there's that extra thing that you can't really put into
0: words. But it is that movie star thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, she's got it for sure. And then you've got Morgan on the other side. Yeah, he he has too. (laughs) (laughs) The man's eighty five. He's just he's still just on top of his game. Yeah, he's something else. I mean, he he he's
1: incredible and. um, but he really, you know, he doesn't do a lot of, you know, little indies uh, for no money. That's not really his his thing. <laughs> uh, so I was so happy that he responded to the script in such a way and 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 wanted to. Do it. Tell
0: the listeners about how um, that first phone call, because I think Florence handed the phone to you. Is that right? Yeah, the phone rang, and uh, you know, occasionally Morgan and I will text over the years, but not that often. And
1: I, I sent him the script, thinking like, I, there's no way he's going to say yes, but I, I should at least try. And uh, the phone rang and and Flo held it up and across the screen and said, "Morgan Freeman." And I go, "Oh my God, it's happening." And I didn't know what was going to come of it. And he just I, I picked up the phone and he just said, I, he said, "I see myself on every page of the script." And I was like, "Does that mean yes?" <laughs> and he goes that means yes." Yeah. <laughs> so um, that was thrilling actually, because um, I had this image, you know when you or when you're out to someone, famous you can't help but imagine the movie with them in it and you get excited and then sometimes you get a no and sometimes you get a yes in this situation i had this beautiful image in my head of the diner scene with with florence sitting across a diner booth from morgan freeman and i was like, oh my god that's the movie i just want to see that movie and so when he said yes it was it was just it was just so thrilling because it, it was
0: it, it came to fruition when you when you create it and obviously you- themes that have inspired it and obviously a lot of tragedy within that does making the movie almost make it sort of a cathartic process for you did it at all
1: Uh, i think you're so in it when you're making the film that you're not really thinking like that but when you when it's done and you show it to people and they have a reaction like you said you did Mm. that's what's wonderful um watching it with an audience of five or or 200 is is when you feel the catharsis because there's community in sharing the emotions that you've created for other people that's when it really feels heartwarming and, and good because you've made a difference hopefully to, to somebody else
0: yeah what's what's the is that is that the main motivation with it because I mean obviously commercially you want it to do well right but actually is it the reaction and the community yeah. feel of it that's why you that's why you do it yeah that's the highest high is 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 standing in the back of an audience and watching
1: people laugh when it's funny and swipe a tear when it's sad Mm. Um, that's the 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 greatest you know and and, and in in films you don't you you only have the experience while you're you know you can sneak into a movie theater or you can go to a handful of screenings i've done theater which i wrote a play once and the the most fun i ever had was sitting in the back of the house and watching uh, we actually did it here at the the duke of york's theater i was in it that then i was in it but in new york Mm. i was just the writer and listening to, to to house after house laugh at it was just some, one of the most fun things I've ever had because you can yeah. do ten nine years of a television show that's single camera without an audience you don't have
0: you don't know when people thinking it's funny you yeah. know? and you, that was kind of just before social media was gross wasn't it a, a little bit at least anyway it, where, it overlapped I think the beginning of definitely yeah. Facebook and, but like now where you get that instant reaction and the kind of exp- yeah. yeah that's what that wasn't I don't quite that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> um, I thought some of the writing was was lovely. Thank you. Um, uh, one of the scenes that did actually sort of did, I suppose, emotionally get me was when she's reading the letter at the end. Yeah. And Amarfati um, is that? Am I saying that right? Amarfati. Yeah. Fati. Where, where do things like that come from? You know, throughout my life, I, I, when when things um,
1: land for me or strike me, I, I I just kind of jot them down as something that might be useful in my writing. In some ways, you know, the, for example, I, I went years ago when I was in my 20s, I went to a neurologist's office and because I had bad headaches and mm-hmm. he had so many diplomas. I joked to myself, if he has one more, he's going to have to put it on the ceiling. So I, I put that, I put that in Garden State, that the guy yeah. had so many diplomas and the camera tilts up and there's a there's, there's, <laughs> he's beginning to put them on the ceiling. <laughs> yeah. Now, that's just kind of like a little thing that I had jotted down, like a funny idea. On, on the in the case of the Latin amor fati, which means love your fate, I, I had read that somewhere. It's a, it's a stoic quote, and it just really landed with me, the power mm. of it. Two Latin words that could be, that if someone who's going through something could meditate on and could be helpful. At least it was for me. Mm. So then I thought, wow, what if this very well-read, hardened, retired cop got that as a way for him to cope through tough times? He was a recovering alcoholic, and I would seen a lot, had been through a lot. It just mm. felt like um, something powerful that the character would latch onto. So then I go, you know, then I go, oh, that's perfect. The, the, the two just fit right. It's just a way I, I kind of write. I collect. And then, you know, model train set. I had a model train set when yeah, I was me a too. child. Yeah. and It was my favorite thing, it was yeah. my favorite toy I had. So I have been hanging on to that for years. I go, somewhere in my life, a model train set is going to come into my creativity because I just, it's too important not to. Yeah. And then this was finally the
0: time where I, where I felt it was the right place for it. Yeah, I used to badger my dad to, well, I mean, buy it, obviously, when I was younger. But then it's like, can you make the station now? Can we, can we get on with that? Can oh, we I loved it. Build it out? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's lovely. The other bit of writing that I really liked was Alison's Teary, played by Florence. And she's with Morgan's character, Daniel. And she's very upset. And he says, do you want a hug? And she's like, no, 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 because I'll, I'll just burst into tears. And he's like, well, I'm hugging you with my eyes. Mm. I was like, oh, man. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just thought you are just like almost building these, like, these notes and these thoughts and just kind of storing them away for... Well, that one was just kind of... Um, you know, when I write, I kind of improvise
1: as an actor both parts. That's one of the ways I write is I just kind of have the conversation with myself. And kind of playing both characters, and so it seemed like something that that he would say mm. if, if she said, "I I can't hug you because I'll I'll start sobbing." Mm. What would that Morgan
0: character of Daniel say to that? And this this is, what, this is what came to me. I love it. Do you find that with I mean with Garden State as well, and and this project, you you need those sort of those themes that you've closely associated with in order to get the best out of yourself as a director? I do. I feel like if you're going to be For me, uh, obviously
1: this isn't for every writer, but for me, I I, I feel like I'm at my best when I'm writing something that's very authentically coming from within me. And you have to be super vulnerable and, 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 and open up your heart, and for better or for worse, people like it or they don't, but I think for me to get the best out of myself, I have to write something that is very important or inside of me. That, that, that's how I imagine first it's of all of, first all being driven to, to to write it because it's hard to write and yeah. you have to really I have to feel a connection to it yeah and I also feel like I'm gonna get the best work out of myself if it, if it comes from within
0: it's, it's, it's more honest then right
1: yeah and also what do you have to say as a writer that's different from somebody else what's your specific yeah. experience yeah. I mean for me there's something really interesting about a filmmaker who who's telling something that's so specifically their story, or or something they so specifically relate to that no one or no other person can tell. That, mm. that's that's interesting to me. That's what I like. I mean, I don't know if you ever watched the show Atlanta, for example, but it's so specifically the story of these men and women who know Atlanta and know the Atlanta rap scene and. I just find it, it fascinating because it's not a world i know at all but i feel that it's so authentic and mm. real and unique to them so that's why i i love that
0: that kind of stuff you mentioned the vulnerability i love that as well i think that's really important i think we need to particularly as men talk about that sometimes yeah you know. I open up no i really appreciate it um one of my other favorite lines just going on the humor because there has to be that blend right when Ryan's, I don't know if you call him a boyfriend, is, is chased out of the house by yeah. Daniel. Yeah. And then the woman calls him a wet, flaccid fuckboy. Yeah. <laughs> that just, that was brilliant.
1: Well, are you allowed to curse on your podcast? Yeah. What well, she actually improved, the senior citizen. Did she? Well, I, I wrote <laughs> fuckboy, but she improved try fucking now with your wet, flaccid cock, <laughs> which was pretty amazing. And she said a lot more hardcore things. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And I can't put that in the movie. Um, She went for it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Do you know the outtakes for that would be amazing? Yeah, I
1: had to sort of chill out because wet flaccid cock was enough.
0: (laughs) Uh... (laughs) It was just like... By the way, a little
1: tribute for you. That's the woman, that's the same woman in Garden State who... The Shiva, which we Jewish people, is the term we use for awake, she's the woman who says, uh, I made you a shirt. Can you try it on now in case we don't see you for another nine years? And I go into the bathroom
0: and my shirt matches the wallpaper. That's the same actress. Oh, that's lovely. A little little Easter egg. Yeah, definitely. Um, A lot has been made about, obviously, you were with Florence Mm -hmm. for three years around, Mm -hmm. roughly. And, you know, celebrity and gossip, and it's, you know, you're never going to avoid that. But I thought something that hasn't been mentioned so much recently is that the fact that you guys are just are, are really on good terms. Good yeah, I think that's so lovely.
1: Well, we're great friends and we love each other. And I, I don't think that, um, you know, I, I'm sure there's other people. We're not the first people in the world to get along really well after a, a breakup. But no,
0: I can I, be with uh, my friends at the pub or something. And they'll be like, well, you're friends with your ex? And I'd be like, yeah, of course. Why no. not?
1: I'm not like that and also I, I'm just, uh, I love her and I'm in awe of her and I think she's just such an incredible talent and we hope to make more films together. Uh, we just, we get yeah, along great.
0: Yeah, so some discussions around that, is
1: that something that you're looking to explore? Oh, what? absolutely, absolutely. I'd love to keep making movies with her. Who wouldn't? Everybody does, Chris Nolan does, uh, <laughs> Ari Aster does, uh, Denis Villeneuve does, everybody does.
0: Yeah, I can understand that. I'm gonna ask you another plot twist question. Go ahead. This is relating to a person. So an unexpected source of inspiration, who might stand out? I mean, you probably had quite a few <laughs> in your career. I mean, my brain goes, it's not unexpected, but it's Bill Lawrence who, who's
1: just been a mentor and really good friend to me. He gave me my big break. He created Scrubs and that really changed my life. And um, he taught me so much about TV comedy and, and editing and shooting comedy. And then I took that knowledge and I directed the second episode of Ted Lasso with him, and that I got nominated for an Emmy for that, and it was really well received. The Very one about serious. the the one yeah. about the biscuits. And um, oh, we've had Hannah Waddingham on the podcast. Oh, she's amazing. Yeah, she's a dream. And now I'm working for him on Shrinking, so he's definitely been
0: a, a major inspiration, uh, mentor to me. What well, you do with these sort of different projects? Where next for you? What's the sort of? Is there something that you haven't tried that you'd like to do? Because the thing I'm, do- I'm writing now is a is def- a de- departure for me. It's a
1: bit of a darker thriller. That's what I'm working on now. And then my episode of shrinking uh, and, that, and it came out pretty pretty good. I'm pretty proud of that. Um, but that's it. And then just t-
0: telling the world to please go see a good person. That's what I'm working on. Got to go and see it. <laughs> definitely. Look, it's been um, wonderful having you on the podcast. Thank you. For Thank you me. so much. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, very quickly. One Anything. More, one more thing. Very quickly because um, there'll be lots of fans of Scrubs that'll be tuning mm. in and listening. Yeah. Have you got any stories behind the scenes, any sort of, what a funny sort of off-screen moment that fans would appreciate? Well, you know, we had this taxidermy dog uh, <laughs> called Rowdy, and he was our
1: pet dog. And uh, I think the prop master was let go. I don't remember why he was let go, but he was let go. And um, he hid the taxidermy dog in the ceiling panels. (laughs) You know, the prop room had one, you know, it was a hospital, abandoned hospital. So, you know, those those dropped ceilings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're probably made of fucking asbestos. I don't know what it is, but he couldn't find the dog. And so on his way out, his his act of revenge was to hide this poor taxidermy golden retriever in the ceiling panels. Uh, So it was time to bring the dog to set and no one could find the dead dog. Wow,
0: okay. But somehow someone found him (laughs) hidden in the ceiling panels. Oh, I love that. Um, Yeah, I was wrapping things up. I was like, hey, you got to ask about scrubs. So (laughs) thank you so much. There you go. There's was a good rowdy anecdote. Yeah, Yeah.
1: definitely. He's definitely the only taxidermic golden retriever that's ever been hidden in a hospital's (laughs) ceiling (laughs) panel. But
0: there, there's something. Good luck with the film. Thank you. Just going to smash it and uh, hope we can catch up soon. Thank you. Appreciate it. Well, there we have it. Zach Braff, what a lovely, charming man. There were so many takeaways and learnings from that interview for me. That plot twist, Woody Allen, Diana Keaton, and Angelica Houston being in that environment. I mean, it's fascinating to hear, but actually, the learning from it was he wanted to then go back to creating. He didn't want to continue just directly with the acting, he wanted to do the writing and producing behind the scenes. And you've seen a similar trajectory with his career. I thought that was really interesting. He knew he was a creator. Did we call it with Brendan Fraser? We kind, of, we kind of referenced it. Delighted he's won. Best Actor Oscar for The Whale is amazing. And then describing Harrison Ford as gruff. <laughs> what a description. But also standing up to profiles that characters like Harrison Ford and Morgan Freeman, these screen legends, they want to be directed. I think there's a life lesson in that. And then talking about the film, shooting scenes at his former high school where it all started with a screen legend like Morgan Freeman. It is like an all-time moment and the respect clearly he has for Morgan. And then Florence as well. Clearly he has a lot of admiration for her talent and wanting to do this project. And oh my goodness, that first scene in the film, she's on the piano. She is star quality. You need to go and check it out. So the film A Good Person is in cinemas today and then it will be on Sky Cinema from the 28th of April. So I think just can and do both. So a huge thank you again to Zach. And I hope the Scrubs fans enjoyed that taxidermy story that we managed to quickly crowbar in at the end. Well, that's it for today. Thoroughly enjoyed that. And until next time, ciao.